So, dude, before before I got sick, it's kind of funny. Hannah and I made just a shit ton of Christmas cookies to give out as gifts for everyone. But then I got COVID. So now they're just like little COVID bombs that we just can't give out to anyone anymore. So we just have like 30 shit tons of cookies just in our house right now. And you're like, hmm, I'm sick. I guess I don't feel good. So I'm going to cope with these cookies. Well... I'm more so, I'm like, I feel obligated as a podcaster to come out with my own method for curing COVID. That's, I'm not saying it's medical advice. I'm just saying I have a doctorate and I'm going to be spouting out what isn't medical advice. But my COVID cure method has been so far um, lemon bar cookies and then a shit ton of gummy vitamins every single morning. Yes, those gummies that you took when you were a kid. I love those stupid memes where it's like they're defending off whatever. Anyway, we are not going to talk about COVID because that's not what we do. (laughs) But we are going to talk about Star Wars. And something recently came out that I think uh, calls for us to podcast about. Because Gary, if you didn't know, it's been a long time since we podcasted. It's been a very long time. And... Um, all joking aside, stay safe out there, everyone. I do actually have COVID and it kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, it's been a very long time since we podcasted here. We got a lot of nerdy stuff to catch up on. Um, we're going to get to it, guys. We're going to start out, though, with the most recent one that you actually saw just <laughs> like, what, a half hour ago, Justice? Yeah, a half hour ago, then took a nap and then was like, oh, I got to set up. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, we're going to be talking today about Book of Boba, which kind of blindsided me that it came out now um i i totally lost track of it and then had that moment of joy when justice texted me saying dude book of boba's out today yes i did not do my normal thing where i watch the thing that comes out immediately uh i tried to watch it that night with a friend that came over didn't work out so then two days went by and then i finally got to watch it so now i'm super excited to talk about it and Gary, initial thoughts? Well, okay, I do have to ha- have us admit, we have talked a lot of crap about Boba on this podcast so far, as in him being kind of the lesser fet. And I, even despite that, I think the Mandalorian redeemed him a lot in my eyes and made him a little bit more interesting. And it made me excited going into the series. I'll admit I'm not as excited for it as I was the Mandalorian, because I don't consider myself completely just an original trilogy fan but still pretty excited going in how about you dude uh going in was really excited didn't really know where they were going to take it you know from the trailers it seemed like they were going to do this him taking over um and we'll kind of get into that and but you know i'm sure the trailers only showed maybe clips from the first two episodes so was kind of going in blind and um, I, you did say that how we, you know, criticize Boba in the past, and I'm not going to lie, I might criticize it a little bit today. Okay, okay, going <laughs> to piss off original Trilogy fans with that one. Hell yeah. Um, but way back when on Twitter, we a- actually released a little poll for um, people who just, obviously we all love the original Trilogy, but people who really identify with being fans of that era... Do they think Book of Boba will help with redeeming the sequels? And we got a resounding, no, the sequels are awful. They should die and burn in hell. Which you can go back and listen to our other podcast to hear how we feel about that, because we're not going to get into that right now. But 
they have said that the Mandalorian and all these post shows are going to lead up to the sequel trilogy. So whether you like it or not, sucks to suck, I guess. Yeah, but it, it will we'll be interested to see how they connect this with the kind of TV Disney universe. Um, but real, let's, real quick, real quick. Yeah. So I started a new job at work. Uh, I am now a microbiologist, y'all. It's actually a lot of fun. I'm Woo. enjoying it. And my boss is, I think he's happy that I'm working there because he doesn't have, he now has another nerd to talk about things with. Um, and he loves Star Wars. But the aspect of Star Wars that he enjoys are the ships and flying. And I cannot stand that part of Star Wars. Like, I think it's cool and I love it. And, you know, those scenes are awesome, especially like episode three. Love that stuff. But the video games, I actively avoid playing or flying anything even the video game that just came out what, what was it the squadrons? Uh, squadrons yeah didn't get it because i don't like flying games and so when he, we were first talking about star wars he's like talking about all these ships and i'm like yo man i'm gonna be honest with you i could care less about ships but i'm glad you enjoy that because that means you love star wars <laughs> yeah i the the ships are cool, but they're not the most fun thing for us we're definitely like all about more jedi and sith kind of crap Yes, more lightsabers, and we also like some of the bounty hunter stuff going on. But, okay, let's let's dive into Book of Boba here, because they started out basically exactly where we wanted to start out with the Sarlacc pit. And have you seen the TikTok going around, dude? Was it Patton Oswalt on Parks and Rec describing? Yes, <laughs> yes it's, you know, it's cool, because that thing came out eight years ago. Or that show did on Parks and Rec where he's describing, it's, I don't know if you guys have seen it, he's like in an assembly hall, normal Parks and Rec thing where it's not, he's not like doing the thing that needs to be doing at, at, you know, Amy Poehler's normal things. And he's describing how he wants Boba Fett to be released from the Sarlacc pit. And it's almost like shot for shot, word for word, exactly what's happening. So it's super cool. And I'm pretty sure, like... I, I someone can check for me or I can fact check this later and then next podcast will tell you if I'm wrong. I think he got a writing credit. So Really? Not for that, but just like I think he helped with this show. Interesting, interesting. I'm frantically googling to see if that's true, but I I just I just thought it was a funny joke. I thought it was great and I love that they start out this series at the Sarlacc pit. Um the way I kind of think of, so the format of the show seems to be kind of, it goes between current time and then the backstory of Boba rising up right. to Crime Lord. It's um, the way I, the closest facsimile I can think of is, you remember Arrow, season one, how they'd go between similar time and his backstory? It's the exact same format. Oh, that's an even better comparison than what I was going to say. Like, I was thinking how the backstory is kind of like Din Djarin's things with the whole, you know, the droids in the beginning, how they'd have those flashbacks. And then we have like the normal stuff going on while he takes is becoming this crime Lord. But I definitely like the arrow comparison better because the, there's a lot more in the backstory and I'm really enjoying, I think that might be my favorite part is the whole backstory. Cause there's certain things that they're answering questions that one, I never really thought about. And two, I'm really loving what they're doing because um, yes, he does break out of the Sarlacc pit. It is gross. I'm really glad they made it super, super gross. But then they also did this thing where, I don't know if you thought this scene was cool, but I thought it was one of the most badass things that I've seen in a long time where you just see the sand people walk up 
and the, the with the sand going over it and the wind and like the way the light was shining i was like oh man like what is going on like they it made the sand people look so cool they they really made the sand people interesting and i i love sand people i love exploring that kind of tribal dynamic more and it seems like they're going to definitely dive into that a bit more but fun thing with the sarlacc pet i don't know if you notice it too justice but they made sure not to actually show the sarlacc because of the the heat from fans who hate the special edition version with the beak they made ah, sure not yes. to show that at all, which I kind of appreciate that they didn't do it. I, I like the air of mystery of it seeming like a bottomless pit versus the beak thing in special edition. But I noticed they made sure not to include that part. Yeah. And and they also, I thought it was interesting how he kind of goes, he doesn't go like straight up, like out of the mouth, because obviously they don't want to show that. He goes, you know, to the side and then up randomly, like at an angle. Like he, he popped up at a weird spot, I thought. Yeah, it's and it's a cool way he dug himself out, taking the oxygen, it seemed like, from the stormtrooper, which must have been there from a very long time ago, because in Return of the Jedi during that fight, there is no stormtroopers involved. So it must have been there for a long time, being slowly digested. Super gross. Yeah, there's like green slime everywhere. Even when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit, they're, like it's mixed with sand, and like the sand is like drooping off of his helmet and i really like the shot where he's you see through his visor and he's looking looking out into the twin suns love that shot uh i've literally just seen it so i'm gonna talk about like the random things that stood out to me (laughs) i mean that's the point of this podcast but like (laughs) literally fresh in my mind right fresh in his mind so you'll have to pardon us as we go all over the place but okay, so he's taken in by the Tuscans, and one thing I really appreciated was the prosthetics they put on Tamora Morrison um, for his just grimy, dried-out skin. Yeah, like, it, it was disgusting, but it was a really, it was a cool look for him. Well, not even that, but I think it was realistic with like the sunburn. I, I imagine having. Okay, this is exactly what I thought when I was like, "Oh wow, he's getting mad sunburn because two suns." No wonder Obi Wan aged so much being on Tatooine. For real. <laughs> well, yeah, you could see the effect of that much sun on him and his perfectly bald head. It's, yeah, it's pretty gross. The, but I'm going to have to say there are, one of my critiques, it was the, I don't know if you want to call it CGI or whatnot for some of the costumes. Um, specifically when the Twi'lek came in, that was like the mayor's assistant. I don't know why, he just looked off for me. Oh, that's that's fair, and like the sexy Twi'leks, the ripped dude, and the voluptuous girl were like a little weird too. Um, I I'd say that it was kind of a Doctor Who vibe versus uh, Star Wars vibe for me with the alien designs of the Twi'leks, at least. Mm. But I did think the Gamorreans were really cool. So, um, moving along. So, we'll- yeah. So let's uh, we'll get back to the Gamorreans a little bit, but let's. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the the starting up of showing Boba as this new crime lord. So we have the scene of all these visitors coming in, giving tribute. And it, you get some cool alien action, but you also get to see Boba starting to establish how he's going to rule. And I'm wondering how that's going to change throughout the series. But what are your thoughts on kind of that scene, Justice? It's awkward. It really, really is awkward. Not in like a, ooh, I don't like how they did it. Just the 
the acting's good. It's just he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he doesn't know. Like he, I think he thinks he knows what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. But I'm not sure he's executing it correctly. Seeing as they got attacked later in the day, but like Fennec also doesn't really know what to do in the chain of command. She keeps on asking like, Oh, should I go kill this guy? Should I not? And she keep, they keep on arguing about, you know, if you followed the way that Jabba did it, we wouldn't be having these issues. And he's like, you need to follow what I want to do. And so part of me is wondering as the series goes on, is he just going to like, is his character arc going to be like, screw it. I'm just going to be like the badass, you know, uh, bounty hunter that I used to be. And, rule with fear and respect or is he really going to try playing this whole respect thing out i i would agree with you that it is a little bit awkward and some of it is like they have little scenes where they mention how they need a protocol droid because instead they're using job as torture droid to introduce people so he doesn't even know what these people are saying um he, he definitely is new to the gig i i like the rule res- with respect mindset because it's hard to have a series about a crime lord that isn't likable. I mean, there are cases where a series do that and it, it's done well. Breaking Bad is one where it's like you both root for and root against the character. Death Note is another one where you root for and root against the character. I think with Book of Boba, since Boba is so beloved, they have to make him likable. So you can't make him a total D-bag. Um, so... I think he ha- he's going to continue with that rule with respect kind of mindset, but is eventually going to become to some degree just showing off. Yeah, you rule with respect because you know I'm going to kill you if you don't. But even like the things that he's doing that are different from Jabba is as simple as he doesn't ride around like with someone carrying him because he has more respect for himself or he is going on rounds himself and opening himself up to being attacked and certain things that Jabba would never do. And I feel like some of the people respect that, but a lot of people don't. It's like him and Mos Espa are kind of in a weird testing each other out relationship. Like the the Twi'lek scenes, they immediately put coins into his helmet, but then he's attacked by assassins. So we don't know if they necessarily had the assassins, but you can tell they're trying to kiss up, but also trying to flex their own muscles. Or like the um, the well, mayor's you, assistant too. Do you even think that the? Do you even think that those assassins were from the the bar? I think those are completely different, like like crime lord people. I they're probably completely different, but I'm talking overall how each of these people who meet with him try to put on airs like they're sucking up while simultaneously being threatening. Like that alien who comes in with the Wookiee pelt, they're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the mayor's assistant from Mos Espa is coming in, being very cordial, very honorable, but also saying, like, as he slyly steps away from the Sarlacc pit, giving a vague threat. Um, Everyone's kind of testing the relationship right now. Yeah. Yeah. I did see, I noticed what you're talking about. Um, and I think like the bar people are just kind of like, let us do our thing because, and we'll give you money. Just look the other way. Yeah, maybe. And so a lot of the series is probably going to be that back and forth of, okay, when's he going to be tough and ruthless? When is he going to be merciful? Um, the Gamorians, I think, are a perfect example of where it's kind of cool that he's doing this world re- respect kind of mindset. And the Gamorians end up saving his life in the episode. 
Yeah, and you know, throwing him back to the back to tank, where where we're gonna have our flashbacks is when he's quote unquote sleeping or resting from a battle, and I have to be honest with you guys, I kind of like the backstory than I more what's going on currently. Okay, okay, interesting. I mean, kind. I think it's more interesting because we don't know what led to him being there. But why do you like the backstory in particular? There's just, I feel like maybe currently more character development. Um, I know the show just started, so we're going to see more character development in the present as he becomes the crime lord. But, you know, how did his helmet get, answering a lot of questions as well. How did all his body armor get stolen? Um, How did he make it out of the Sarlacc pit? What did he do during that time? It seems like he's going to befriend the sand people, and those people are really interesting, so learning about them. just There's a lot of more interesting aspects, I feel like, in the, I don't know, the past than there is currently in the present. Mm, that, that's fair. I, I definitely think both have cool stories they can explore. Um, the one trap I'm worried about with the backstory-heavy kind of focus is... Like, you had an arrow. At a certain point, you can only say so much backstory before it becomes kind of unnecessary. Like, remember in Arrow, like, season three, they're still giving backstory, and you're like, why the heck is he suddenly in China doing all these crazy things? No, I, I agree with you. I But I don't think that this show's going to be multiple seasons. Like, I think this is just, like, maybe a one or two season thing, and then, like, the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and whatever is going to be the continuation. Mm, okay, so they're kind of going on that limited run mindset. Maybe. Um, let's let's take a step back here and talk about the Bacta, because I, I thought it was weird that he keeps going back to that. No pun intended, but I still love that I had that pun. Um, do you think he still has injuries from the Sarlacc pit? Maybe. I mean, there's probably how long was he in there getting digested for? I'm sure he's got issues with nerve endings or parts that, you know, are still growing back. I'm not really sure. It, it, made, it made it seem like, you know, he made it out. But then I'm sure also with the whole sand people, he went through some, through some brutal stuff. So I, I'd be curious to know how much time passed from, like, where this backstory is to, like, where we're currently at now. So, dude, I think we should talk about the fighting in the present day in the, of the show. Yes. So we had that really dope fight with the assassins that we mentioned earlier. And basically, they dive right in on, on Boba and Fennec with these kind of shields that are made of laser beams, similar to sort of the shields from Phantom Menace, you know, when Qui-Gon and yeah. Ma- Maul are separated? Yeah. Or I was going to say, like, you know how the Gungans have their... Sh- shields but just like a little bit larger and more of like a like a knightly kind of shield mm-hmm. a, a cool look for them and then they had the electric charges similar to what grievous had in episode three as well those staffs right but it's more of like a sword length than it is a really long staff and i personally think with everything that's going on in marvel comics and how star wars is really trying to interconnect the books and the movies and the TV shows it, that it might be Crimson Dawn, but I am not for sure. It, it could. The tough part is, I think we even hinted at it before. It could be anyone 
Like, there's so many people trying to flex on Boba as he's creating what he thinks is going to be his new empire, but has no real leg to stand on yet. And I do imagine Crimson Dawn is going to show up in the series at some point. So, for backstory, Crimson Dawn, you see them as a crime syndicate, especially in Solo. Um... And they're another mean one that has a presence on Tatooine, tends to be kind of back and forth with the huts. I can't imagine a way that they're not going to show up on this show. I um, guess I'm just thinking currently the they're showing up in the comics and it's in between episode five and six. So maybe it's not them because that still seems like a ways off from where this show is taking place. But who knows? We'll see. But the fight scene kind of gives another chink in Boba's armor in that Fennec mentioned Jabba wouldn't go out do things on his own, but Boba wants to do those things. And now he's left himself open to these type of assassination attempts. I'm not going to lie. I was slightly disappointed with their attempts to get out of the circle of shields. Like they kept on getting, you know, trying to punch them and then block the swords with electricity and I was just really waiting for Boba to use his little, you know, torpedo on his back and have it like aimed so that it, you know, explodes on a guy behind them, but not enough, far away enough where like he doesn't get impacted. And they did not. It wasn't until the Gamorreans came, which I guess showing their respect for Boba, I get that that's the whole point of that scene. But I was just kind of like, you guys are, you're a master assassin, Fennec, and you are like a world-class bounty hunter, and you couldn't get away with four dudes in a shield, with shields? Yeah, they kind of nerfed uh, Fennec and Boba for that scene, just for the sake of showing that the Gamorreans are loyal. So, I I get why it, it works. Um, it's I, I think they're trying to make the argument there that Boba's type of leadership can be effective because his people are going to be so loyal to him. And that's going to be probably a pervading theme in the show. But I would agree, like, during that fight scene, I'm like, come on, guys. Both of you have shown way more badass stuff in The Mandalorian and in other productions. Like, you should be able to handle this a little bit better. Right. And then he's like, I'm going to rule with respect. Don't kill anyone. Aims his, you know, forearm missile launcher right at the guy and completely explodes him on like when he's on the roof and then tells Fennec keep them alive it's like what what is going on <laughs> well he said keep one keep one alive well he was like only need one alive to basically interrogate but I, I get what you're saying it's kind of mixed messages because Bubba doesn't know how violent he wants to be yet and I'm sure there's going to be some fans who are like, ooh, it's Disney trying to do... And it's like, no, I just think that Boba doesn't know what to do with all this power. Because he even mentions this one thing with the Trandoshan that walks in, how he's like, I used to work for him. So I think he's still trying to figure out himself as well. Yeah, this is going to be a, a Boba finding himself kind of story arc. <laughs> <laughs> so some things that we haven't talked about goes back to what I'm really excited to talk about is the flashbacks. I think more of the show is actually on the flashbacks than it is in the present. They do a lot of showing him with the Tusken Raiders in the camp. He's captured. He's connected with the, um, tr- uh, what is that kind of, what is that alien? What is Guido? Uh, Rodian. Rodian. Yes. Thank you. And the Rodian want like is, doesn't want anything to do like he clearly sees uh boba make an escape attempt 
And the guy's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, it's... The Rodian was kind of annoying. He 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 kind of dropped the ball on the team there. Um, but even... I do like the Tusken Raiders story because it's... It's showing a side of Bubba we haven't seen. We've seen him only really behind the mask. And then that little fight scene in Mando where he's swinging around the club. So we get to see another side of this character that might be interesting. I also appreciate that when he kind of does escape, he doesn't attack the children. And I'm like, eh, Anakin would be disappointed in him. <laughs> that, that, that's hilarious. I'm glad. I'm, we're looking, I'm, I'm looking at Gary's lovely notes right now. And he totally wrote that down. Anakin would be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Tuscan Raider story really progresses when a child Tuscan takes him and the Rodian out to basically dig for water, which are in these kind of mushroomy type containers. I don't understand that. I don't know if like the the container is you know causing the sand to form water. Are they just like digging far enough to get to water? It doesn't really make sense. At first, I'm like. Bros, if you're trying to dig with your hands far enough to make a well, like this is going to take a while. This is not going to work for you. But even before that, they come up to this scene where it kind of looks like uh, another hut. Like It's definitely another moisture up. farm, kind of like Owen Baru had. Yeah, yeah Owen Baru, and how you see smugglers, you know, kill the guy. I don't know, kill, knock out, probably killed. And they, they put this like crazy symbol on there. I don't know what this personally is from, but also I've been out of the Star Wars world and into the Marvel world a lot recently, so it's probably just me with the lack of knowledge. I looked around a little bit, and I couldn't find what the symbol meant. Um, it's probably hinting towards a new enemy or villain, possibly with these raider-type groups. Um, but I'll be interested to see. Let us know if you find out who the symbol is referring to. At first, I thought, oh, is that Crimson Dawn? And I'm like, no, that's not the Crimson Dawn symbol. So it's definitely hinting towards a future villain. It could be. Yeah. And then we get like the very end scene where we show Boba actually being Boba, not in the present day where he doesn't want to fight people. The Rodian is digging and he digs up this... I don't even know how you want to describe it. It's like a multi-arm dinosaur creature. And it's, it's like never been Machamp, seen in Star Wars like, yet. I looked around. I couldn't right. find it at all. It looks like Machamp if he wants to be, but then like not when he wants to walk on all four. It definitely looks like Machamp. <laughs> and so the Rodian does absolutely nothing. Gets absolutely crushed into the sand. And Boba being Boba strategic is able to somehow get behind him and use the chain that he was connected to the Rodian and choke the guy out. And the little Tuscan Raider is like, Oh my gosh, you're so cool. Let's cut off its head and bring it back to the camp. And then the little Tuscans like, guys, I totally killed this thing. And everyone's like, we don't believe you, <laughs> but him okay. choking out that like being totally gave me like Leia choking out Jabba kind of vibes. It seemed pretty darn similar to me. Oh yeah. And it was a really cool scene, but here comes my second criticism for this show. And I don't know if it's necessarily a criticism, but you know how old Star Wars stuff was very like claymation or old suits kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, practical effects. Practical effects. That 
scene felt very practical effects or the CGI was just really, really bad. Like the monster did not look real. It like, especially when the Tuscan Raider dog jumped onto him. I just was like, it, it took, it was so, at least for me, it took me out of the series and I was, I realized like, Oh, like we're not in like, there's something, I don't know. It just took me out of the whole element of watching the show. So is your critique that it was too CGI or two practical effects to the point where it looked cheesy it looked cheesy to me it looked like we were back in the 80s again it okay i could i can see the argument for that i mean it did kind of give like um like those old monster movies kind of vibe um i don't know i liked the monster just because i thought he was a cool design it, it didn't take me out of the scene as much if anything i could see how it would take you out of it because the tuscans are very they're very lifelike in how they show them in this series. Like, they look like a true tribal community. And then Boba looks great in his prosthetics. And then maybe having that CGI creature kind of throws you off in comparison. Yeah, I'm not sure. And again, I'm not saying that the fight wasn't cool and that the monster doesn't look cool. It's just some of the motion of the monster. I was like, uh, all right. Mm. Like, that's right. We're in Star Wars. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I just loved the design enough that I didn't even notice the motion. Now I'm going to have to see that on the next watch through. <laughs> yeah. Next, you guys, when you guys watch it, be looking out for that. But again, I'm not like trying to like absolutely crap on the show because it's great. And again, it's not, you know, I guess I shouldn't have super high expectations because it's not a movie. So I'm sure Disney's not putting in, you know, all that money that they would be. Because they also have, you know, 10 other TV shows that they're trying to make at the same time, including Marvel. Yeah. So having this budget separated out does make it harder to have that cinematic kind of feel to it. But that kind of leads to my next question, dude. So far, how do you think it lives up to kind of the Mandalorian? Because every com- TV show for Disney is going to be compared to Mando. So we have to make that comparison. I... Hmm. My first thought when you asked that, and I'm an extrovert, so I'm just going to say what I think, and then hopefully at the end it makes coherent sense, is that I like The Mandalorian more because the first episode left you just absolutely you know, shocked and wanting more and not knowing what's going on. And I'm not saying that this, this show doesn't, but it, there's just not that much of a shock value with when we saw Grogu mm. for the first time. That's fair. Whereas this one, this one is like, here, let's have this main, this, this character that fans have adored and let's flesh out his backstory because we're tired of people complaining about it. (laughs) Okay. That is very fair. But I guess that it, you can't ever properly, I don't think you could ever capture the feeling fans had for first time on the Mandalorian. Because it's the first time having a true live-action Star Wars TV show, the reveal of Grogu at the end, that's something that you, I don't think they'll ever be able to reproduce. Um, even with great content coming out, hopefully with Ahsoka and Book of Boba, I doubt anything can ever capture that feeling again for fans. But I, I think the series, it shows potential. It shows like it'll be fun. It doesn't show mind-blowing yet. If anything, it's probably more mind-blowing for people who grew up loving Boba Fett. Oh, no, it totally is, and I'm not, you know, crapping on that at all. If that's the type of Star Wars that you want and enjoy, I really hope you enjoy the show. I am enjoying it. I just, um, you know, 
there's other th- like I'm more excited for the Obi Wan or the Obi Wan show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, okay, let's take a step back here because you kind of hinted at another criticism on Boba and his character, sort of in the present day. So it seems like we we know Boba Fett as the major badass, like heartless bounty hunter, and now he's trying to portray himself as a more benevolent kind of ruler. How do you feel about this sort of new Boba? Oh, man. I'm wondering if some of it is actually Disney being like, hey, let's change the character because, you know, they changed the name of his ship. Or if this is just him like going through his life realizing that what he's been doing hasn't worked out. He ended up in a Sarlacc pit because of it. So now he's trying to turn a new leaf, and this is what he decided upon. It could definitely go either way. It could it could become a cool character development in which he becomes a fun anti-hero, or it could become like, a, I don't know, a, a soft baby-like Disney cradled version of Boba that isn't the badass that we know. I hope it's not that, but it definitely is a possibility. Yeah, and I think you guys should definitely te- check it out. I think it's a nice, I don't know, palate cleanser. Not even palate cleanser. It's a nice uh, teaser for us while we wait for the third season of The Mandalorian. And, dude, when you mentioned Slave One's name change, I'm pretty sure some like original trilogy fans just had their ears bleed again at the thought of hearing that. Yeah, I, again, I think I'm just, like, more of a Marvel fan at the moment. So, like, my... It doesn't rustle, rustle my feathers at the moment. Rustle your feathers? Yes. <laughs> it, my, my panties are not bunched. So I feel like we've talked enough Boba. We've given you guys our breakdown. We'll probably go into a little bit more as the next episode comes out. Maybe we'll combine like two or three together. Who knows? But Gary, is it time? We haven't done it in a while. I think it's time. It's been a long time, man. I'm itching for some comic of the week. All right, y'all. Really quick, before we dive in, and we're going to do some Star Wars comics. I got to do this awesome thing where I separated all my comics out by series, and I tried to put them in number order. Was I successful? Absolutely not. But... I'm close. Well, that's give them give them context because what was it? Three thousand six hundred comics yes, that you have. Three thousand six hundred and eighty some odd comics. Over a thousand and eighty five of series. Uh, seven long boxes, ten short boxes. You know, just a little bit. Uh, so I have. So I, I showed <laughs> I showed Gary and Evan a video of all my comics. My parents' basement's like huge. There's like two sides to it. It's really fun. And so I took over the basement on the 23rd, 24th, and half of the 25th. And I just had them all laid out uh, by series. And so currently, well, sorry, Gary, I know this is going to hurt your ears, but the DC comics are all in two boxes and they're just thrown in there together and I don't care about it. I'm not going to organize them. (laughs) Yeah. But... (laughs) All my image or not image, all my indie comics are in order by number, by series, like they are done. So, and then all my Marvel besides 
my the ones that I like collect regularly are done as well. So the things that still need to be done are Star Wars comics, Venom, Thor, Spider-Man, and X-Men. But everything else is like all done, put away. So now I have to pull out those boxes. Like they're all together, so it's going to be nice. It's just I have so many Spider-Man comics and Venom comics that it's going to take, you know, a little bit of time to put them you know, in series order, in chronological order. Yeah. He showed us a Snapchat video of it, and it's, like, across three different rooms, just covering the whole floor like a rug. Like, you couldn't walk around the rooms at all. Just covering comics. I had to make little rows so that I could, you know, pass through without stepping on them and then be able to bend over to, you know, place the next issue on top of that pile. It was a lot, y'all. But it was great and super enjoyed it, kind of. I don't know if I would... I just haven't been doing it for years, clearly, and that's why it took a long time. Now that everything's kind of in order, I know where it's at, I will be able to put the issues back away faster. So that's that was that. But comics, what's been going on? I've been catching up on... Mostly Darth Vader and a lot of the Crimson Dawn, Crimson Rain story that Charles Soule is writing. So it's, like I said, Darth Vader and the, the main Star Wars title and, you know, Dr. Aphra, Bounty Hunters. I'm sure I'm missing one of them. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they're all telling a story, their stories in between episode five and six. And what's currently happening in Darth Vader is... I wouldn't say Vader's befriended him, but he's more brought him under his, you know, like as service is uh, Ochi Abistun, which is the, you know, kind of cool that we're getting a lot of his backstory and knowing about him because that's the knife that Ray needed to use to find the Death Star in episode nine. I don't want to get into that. Anyway, we're finding out a lot about him. <laughs> How does she know where to put it in an open field? <laughs> <laughs> I know that whatever. Oh, okay. Um, so, what has been happening in the Crimson Dawn story? This was like the War of Bounty Hunters thing that I was talking about a while ago. Boba had, you know, Boba had Hanzo, was taking the Jabba the Hutt, stopped at a spot for gas or whatever, got, uh, Han got taken away and by Crimson Dawn, and she's having this huge auction, she being uh, Kiara, is having this huge auction and is inviting every single important player to this auction. The Empire, Darth Vader, which, those yes, those are two separate entities currently. Um, you know, all the crime syndicates, random other bounty hunters, like everyone and their mother is here, and all the Star Wars comics are literally telling the same story. And, you know... Darth Vader's after Han because he thinks if he can get Han, then Luke will come to him. And he already knows that Luke is a chicken and won't go after him. You got, you know, Leia and uh, Lando and Chewie and R2 and, you know, C3PO want, obviously, and Luke want Han back. So they're there. And, you know, it's just a huge rustle, you know, huge tussle for Han Solo. But essentially what happens is um, the Jabba. And I don't even know who, like Jabba's cousin, I forget his name in the comic, are bidding against each other for Han. 
and Darth Vader just essentially steps in and goes, nah, I'm taking him. And then there's this really cool battle between Kiara and Darth Vader where she holds her own, which I'm sure comes from the training from Darth Maul, which is super cool. Like she has like these almost, it's a mix between like, they're like batons that have like a um, Dryden head. Do they kind of have like the, like Dryden's yeah, blades, Dry- where it was that dual sided. Yeah, like Dryden's blades, but like batons, and she, and she uses them to fight Darth Vader and to hold her own. Everyone in like all these issues are like stopping, looking at her, and go, "Man, she's really good. She's gonna get herself killed," and she clearly doesn't. So the the whole thing now is Crimson Dawn has made their huge grand entrance. They're back on the scene, but they don't want the power now, and they just want to help do odd jobs for all the other crime syndicates. Like they're going to be the crime syndicate that the crime syndicates go to so that that specific crime syndicate doesn't have to attack the other one, but Crimson Dawn will, and they'll get paid for it. And I, and so there's a middle management of right, crime. They'll, they'll be like, Hey, if you, you know, black sun, if you want to, you know, attack Jabba or whatever, like you come to us, we'll go in and do that. But we're also going to go to Jabba as well and say, "Hey, we're going to do that." If you want to attack them, the Pikes, like that's their job now in the universe. And so they they create this hmm. huge bounty hunter crime syndicate war going on where no one trusts anything, and it's totally her plan to be able to like eradicate them all. I love that they're adding in more Kira because she's she's an interesting character and. It's kind of cool. I mean, she would definitely actually die in a real fight with Vader. I'm sorry, but the fanboy in me is like, I don't buy it. But it's cool. Yeah, I don't know. She, Vader mentioned something about her being trained in the Force or, you know, having the, like, not like having Force powers, but having the ability to, like, the Force is on her side or something like that. And she was like, yes, like, I understand your ways. I had someone teach me. AKA Maul. And it's really interesting her the team that she has. I'm not. I don't have time to go into all of the people, nor do I remember because my memory is awful. But each person that is under Crimson Dawn, and she has people in every single group. Like there, there are people like Ochi Bastoon doesn't act, like swears his loyalty to Darth Vader, but actually is in Crimson Dawn, or um. There's other people who, you know, you just like aren't expecting that Crimson Dawn's little paws are everywhere. And it's there's like this one panel that I really remember where she kind of like walks through why each person is here and, you know, on her side because the Empire isn't doing what they're being at, like told that they were going to do. And they're like the plague and we need to get rid of them because Darth Maul was right. Not like... Not like mm-hmm. I'm crazy. I, I I believe this crazy dude, but like Emperor Palpatine is truly this evil character, and we need to get rid of him. So it's showing that Maul is kind of sharing that insider info yes. with people. Maul's not around. I don't um, clearly, but she they've been in the shadows for a very long time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like the bounty hunter comic storyline is just really producing a lot of good stuff right now. Yeah, I and mean, I think the main comic line is really good. Luke is going around trying to find answers to becoming a Jedi. He fought Darth Vader. It didn't go well. 
you know, obviously in episode five. Uh, so he's kind of lost the ability to connect with the force. Doesn't know who he is. He's got his yellow lightsaber currently. And it's been just going to odd planets trying to find old Jedi temples. And currently he just found a holocron with Yoda. From like a, a Yoda holocron, which is pretty cool. So that's that's Luke. Yeah, okay, that's what's that's going dope. on with Luke. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, expect more Book of Boba, more comic of the week. We're definitely going to start recording, like, now-ish, our Spider-Man No Way Home review episode, and I'm super psyched to do that. But everyone, it's good to be back after a little break. Have a great week. <laughs>